Welcome to the Momentum Podcast. Our hope is to fill you with the light and life that are found in Jesus so you can shine in the world around you. A great next step if you'd like to grow in your faith is connecting to a community. We would love to help you connect at Momentum. For more information, visit MomentumSanDiego.com. Again, that's MomentumSanDiego.com. We hope you enjoy the message. Hey, this morning, everyone good? Okay, so uh, I'll tell you what's up around here. We're in the middle of this journey uh, called Love, Sex, Phones, and Jesus. But this is also Kids Costume Sunday. And so we're switching gears a little bit today. And this is a message that we're coming around about family life, about how to raise flourishing children at any stage of the parenting journey. Uh, so we'll be diving into that in just a minute. I'm going to tell you something else cool we're doing today. Um, and every time we do one of these how to raise kids, how to do family, how to make it all work things, people go, where can I hear more about that? Um, this is one place you can hear more about that. And what we have here is a, a collection of family life parenting resources that we recommend. And here's the deal. These are really cool. Uh, this one's good because if you're a dad, it's got lots of pictures in it. Um, but, but what it is today, if you fill out the connection card, you can drop it off in the box and you can just indicate that, uh, hey, put me in. There's a box that says, count me in for the parent resource giveaway. So if you check that box, you fill out your connection card today, you're entered to win this. Uh, a few people I'm going to talk to before we begin. If you're a kid in the room and you're going, ah, parenting, like, ugh. no, hold on to this. I'm telling you, you're going to need this. Or here's the other thing you can do. If you're sitting with a parent or family member, if you hear me say something, they need to know, just elbow them real hard and say, hey, you getting this. You make sure they stay awake and we will journey there together. Um, I think uh, when I talk family life and I, and I talk uh, parenting and I talk the world we live in and I talk kids and how do you make it all work, obviously I think the ground we can all stand on together is realizing that no matter what stage you're in in the parenting journey, it's hard. You got a brand new kid, there's all sorts of challenges that come with that. You have some five-year-old kid or you're getting them into school, there's all kinds of challenges that come with that. You have a teenager, good Lord, we should have a prayer group in this church for you guys. And then I've talked to more and more friends whose kids are now out of the house and off on their own and they're going, for me, this is the scariest, most frightening phase yet because they're gone. And we're gonna come around that in a minute. If I talk to you and you talk to me and if I said, hey, what was your parenting moment? What was that moment in your parenting journey where, where you were just like, I don't think I could do this. I can tell you mine easily. We, would, um, we had uh, our first kid, she's seven now, quite some time ago. And I remember, y'all remember the sleepless phase? I'm talking the like, I had, we were in the throes of that. We were in the school of hard knocks. And, and Lucy was about six months old. She's our first. And, and so we were way less comfortable with, like, shut the door. She'll figure it out. And so we're, like, tending to every need. What is it? She's, is it the diaper this time? Is it the food this time? Is it, you got to let her cry it out. It couldn't really cry it out because we lived in this cheap apartment with thin walls. And, and so she's just in our ears for days on end. And we get to the place where we're not sure we have what it takes anymore. I went to work with my shirt inside out and backwards and didn't have a clue until lunchtime. That's the phase we're in. And there we are. And it's the middle of the night. And Lucy's finally stopped crying. 
and we finally have a moment. We fall asleep instantly. About an hour later, I'm woken up to something completely shocking. I feel, um, I feel in my sleep the sensation of something rustling over here. I come to the half-awake stage, and no sooner do I kind of come to, I feel the pillow that my head is laying on yanked from underneath me, and it just flings. I hear it hit the wall across the room, and I go, what is going on? I have another one I kind of keep right in here, you know, and just feel safe, you know? And, uh, <laughs> what, bro? Um, and, and I have that one, and I feel that pillow yanked out of my arms, and it goes, boom, hits the wall. And I'm going, what is going on here? I come all the way to, just in time to feel the comforter, yanked off the bed, and I mean, it just goes flying. Like, I don't know how you could throw one so far. I look over at Britt, and I go, what she, I see her ripping the bed to shreds. She is clawing at the mattress and mattress cover like she's trying to get in there. And I go, babe, what are you doing? She goes, honey, start digging. Lucy's in the comforter. I go, what? She goes, no, she's in a mattress. Lucy's in the mattress. I go, oh gosh. And I just started digging. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lucy's sleeping peacefully in her room. And what had happened was, we were so tired, she legitimately hallucinated, thinking Lucy was buried in the comforter. I grab, I'll never forget grabbing her by the shoulders, and I'm like, babe, I think we're losing it. <laughs> and I can tell you, needless to say, every phase of the parenting journey comes with these challenges. And it looks like it's getting more and more challenging because now you've got kids and they're running around with phones and they're 12 years old and there's Snapchat and there's all these things going on. But I want to talk about the challenge that I feel sits in the room most universally and it's simply the challenge of time. You know, what you observe if you look around the world is that there is less and less time available to each and every one of us for the things that matter most. And on top of that, every single one of us only gets so much time when we get to be an influence in our kids' lives, shaping who they're going to become, what they're going to go and do, and how all that stuff looks. As a matter of fact, that's what these marbles are about. Um, if you look, these marbles are not placed in here randomly. They actually represent the amount of weeks your kid will be with you from birth until the time they leave the house. And think on that for a minute. It's this much. You get about this many weeks to shape who they are, who they're becoming, and what's going on, and then they're gone. Some of these marbles, if you count them, would be that time that you brought the kid home from the hospital. Some of them would be that time when your kid says mama for the first time or dada for the first time. Some of them would be your kid taking their first steps, losing their first tooth, you realizing you don't keep cash in the house anymore, so how do you even do the tooth fairy thing in this day? Some of them would be you go to kindergarten. Some of them would be they actually have middle school graduation, and there's all kinds of other marbles that go in that place. Show of hands, who's got a high school student? Who's got a high school student? High school, you got a high school student, cover your ears if you're sensitive to this sort of thing. But if you got a high school student, you've lost your marbles. <laughs> um, 
some of those weeks are going to be when your kid is deciding who their friends are and what their thing is. Are they into band? Are they into sports? Are they into art? Are they into theater? Some of those weeks would be your kid getting their first job, getting a driver's license. Some of them will be in a car with another kid that has a driver's license. Some of them will be in the car with a boy who got his driver's license. Not mine. That's until she's 30. Um, We're going to take the SAT. You'll figure out if Stanford is a real option or not. And then one day they graduate high school. And shortly after that, whatever day it may be, they get down to that last day in your home. And they're actually out. Now the marble game is, <laughs> somebody said amen. The Lord's going to give you a child in your home until you're 35 for that. Until uh, they're th- but the Marvel game is weird because it could be a little frightening. I was working on this message most of the week while I was in airplanes, and, and I got to this point where I actually put my oldest daughter, Lucy, in each of these moments. I got emo- I'm between two dudes on the plane. I got emotional. I was like, <clears throat> I shut the laptop, man, because it's wild. But it can also be informative. There's this great psalm in the scriptures, and it simply says these words of wisdom in just a few lines. It says, teach us to number our days. That's a prayer to God. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And what it's talking about is the idea of this marble game is a little frightening. It's a little bizarre. You're not really sure how you feel or how it's going to go. But there's also wisdom to be found in this. This is better than sticking your head in the sand and going, ah, I hope it all goes well, and they come out okay. When you really begin to take advantage of this, there's a real power here in your parenting journey. It's simply these two things. Number one is this. When you see how much time you have left, it helps you get serious about the time you have now. And that is my heart and that is my hope before we go anywhere else in this message is that you would see the moments you have. And if there's a little bit of an oh no in you, that is by design because it is so easy to get caught up in getting everybody where they're supposed to be and how it's supposed to go and what you're supposed to do and who's going to eat what for dinner and who's going to cook it. And when do you get home? They got this. And we can let these weeks go flying by without paying attention. But the second idea is this. When you see the time you have left, it helps you value what can happen over time. And here's what I mean. When you realize how quickly these marbles fly out of the jar, it can help you start to look at them with intentionality, look at them as an opportunity, because every single one of these marbles is a moment where you could be shaping the faith and life and future of the child that God has entrusted to you. And that's a really big deal. You'd go, Matt, how you do that? Simple. I want to just take you to some simple parenting advice in the New Testament. There's this book called Ephesians. It was written to a church in a town called Ephesus. I love it because in Ephesus, they were living in a world very similar to ours. Ephesus was a destination city. Ephesus was a very diverse and cultural city. And Ephesus was a city with thousands of things available to pull you away from the things that truly matter most. And the writer Paul writes to this group of believers and gives some great words on family life. He begins like this. Parents, do not exasperate your children but instead, 
bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now sit on that for a minute and hang on just a sec because I want you to know, kids, look at me, high school students, middle school students, you just wandered in here and you felt like you got trapped in this room and now you got to listen. Look at me really quick. Do you know what he says before this? He says, children, obey your parents. And this is the first commandment in all of scripture that comes with this promise. When you obey your parents, things will go well for you. And it's just a call if you're a kid and you're in the room today to wake up. Don't be a dumb kid and realize that your parents' wildest dreams are not about them, they're about you. Your parents' biggest fears are not about them anymore. They're about you and what could happen to you or what could not happen to you. And it says, first of all, you have a part to play. And then second, it says, parents, pay attention. Because time is short, because the marbles go fast and you want them to matter, don't exasperate your children. What does that mean? Don't wear them out. It means develop a parenting style. This is a call. It is a call to develop a parenting style that's bigger than do's and don'ts. It's a call to develop a parenting style that's more than, hey, is the homework done and is your room clean because it'd really be good. It's more than, hey, are you staying out of trouble because we don't run a reputation at our school or any rumors flying around. And it is a call to become an investor in your child's future. The words here bring them up in the scriptures is this cool phrase, and Paul is bringing in this metaphor, this analogy, bring them up. It says, literally, it says, nourish them, nourish them. If you could read this in the Greek language that it was written in. And it's the idea of you have a kid in your life and they grow up like a small plant. And he's saying, you know what? This plant needs more than heat over time to grow. As a matter of fact, if all this plant gets is direct heat and another word about how come you're doing this and we should have had that and why isn't this different, and if all this plant gets is the heat, it'll wilt and it will not flourish. But Paul calls us to a different approach where we would begin to nurture the children in our lives with the things they need to flourish. So here's what we're going to do. Four simple things that you can nourish in your kids that we can grow in them any stage of the game, no matter where you're at in your parenting journey, that actually help kids flourish, that actually lead to God's dreams and visions for your kid becoming a reality. So we're gonna roll through four, we'll talk about their significance, and then it's taco time, you guys, so buckle up, let's go. Number one is simply this, love. Now if you're new or visiting, you got these note sheets in your uh, bulletin where you can kind of follow along, you can fill in blanks. I don't hit most of the blanks anyway, so don't freak out, don't worry. Um, it's love. Now, that can kind of come off like, well, duh, like, you know, we came here, we got all dressed up and stuff, and you said love. No, I want to talk to you about love. I, I'm talking about the kind of love where you would love your kid like God loves you. You know how God has shown his love to you? You know how God, you know what the beginning of your God story was? God showed up for you when you deserved it the least, he was there the most. God showed his love by showing up for you. God showed his love when, when you made all those decisions and things got all sideways and you tried to fix it on your own and then it went bad and it got even worse and then you tried to climb out of that hole that you found yourself in and you couldn't anymore and you had exhausted your options, you had exhausted your willpower, you had nowhere to turn, so you're like, I'm sorry, God, and boom, there he was. And he showed up for you. 
God shows his love by showing up. I used to wonder, you know, if you've read the Bible before and Adam and Eve, they're at the beginning of the Bible. God makes this beautiful creation. Adam and Eve rebel and turn their backs on God as we all do. And then everything goes horribly. And I always wondered, why didn't God just go boom and fix it? And it was all done. It was all set. It would have been so much more efficient. You know, and then God, on the other hand, writes this whole story of love through the scriptures. And he keeps showing up for his people. And it wasn't before long that I realized God didn't just show up once and kind of sent us back on our way because humanity would have forgotten. So God decided to show up through history. He showed up in this guy named Abraham. No matter how much Abraham screwed up the plan, God kept showing up for him. When this guy named Moses was running from his calling, his family and everything he knew, there was God showing up for him. God raised up heroes like David and Solomon and Elijah and different prophets in the scripture because he kept showing up because of his love. And then finally, God showed up on earth through Jesus willing to die so we could live, to show his love. And we show our love to our kids by showing up for them as well. And I'll tell you why this matters. You know what love over time does? Love over time communicates worth. You're raising a young woman and you want her to feel worthy, not blown around by culture that she's not enough. You show up for her and it will establish worth in her soul. You want a young man to have the moral guts when the whole crowd is doing this and it's wrong and everyone knows it, to stand up and say, I'm not going there today. You show up for him. It communicates worth. Now, what do I mean show up? Okay, show up. What do you mean? That means you step in and you give them the best of your emotional energy, okay? It means stepping in and giving them your best emotional energy. It's when you got practices and lessons in the week and you're tired and it's Thursday and you finally got everybody back in and dinner's done and you're just thinking of the couch and Netflix. You're like, I can see the promised land. It's a call to just stop. You take a breath and you turn back to your family so you can give them your best. Guys, men in the room, if you have small children, pay attention to how often they say the words, hey, dad, watch me. They are crying to be showed up for. Every time you hear the word, watch me, it's your kid saying, hey, show up for me right now. You've got a teenage daughter, and a day goes by, a week goes by, where she's just pissed, and you just want to stay out of her way. She, you can have the house. We're just going to start over, over here without you. You show up, you sit on the edge of the bed, and you give her your best, because that communicates worth. Number two, it's words. Number two, it's words. Do you know the average teenager hears one word of affirmation for every seven words of criticism? Think on that. One word of affirmation for every seven words of criticism. And now they got Instagram on the phone. So in a world marked by criticism, they got 500 friends they look at every day. And on this day, 250 of them are having a great day. And they crop it, they filter it, and they post it. Even though the other 250 were having a bad day, they didn't decide to take a picture of that day. But these ones did. So on this day, your kid sees the best of everyone's life. Then the next day, these 250 have a bad day, but they don't post that day. These ones are having a great day. They crop it, filter it, put it up there. And they live in a constant cycle of am I enough? Do you know what kids need? 
Words of affirmation. Because they are walking through an affirmation desert. There's this proverb. And it simply says, the tongue has the power of life and death. That means you have the power to speak life into your kids. That means your words have power to be like water in a desert to your children. And every single one of us can do that. You know what words over time do? They shape identity and direction. Identity and a direction. What do I mean by identity? Identity is just that feeling of I'm enough. Identity is that feeling I'm okay. And some of you know that words shape identity and direction because early on in your life, there were some words spoken over you. And after those words were said, you spent the next 20 years trying to prove to everyone around you that those words weren't true. Some of you had words that should have been said to you, but they never were. And you spent the next 20 years like running and working and exhausting yourself to go and get the I love you that was never spoken to you. It's a call to remember our words matter. I say identity and direction because your identity will shape everything else about where you go and what you do. All of the decisions about where you go and what you do come from who you are. Think on that. The career you choose, the people you surround yourself with, all of the big stuff about what school and what career and what profession and how do I work and what will my family work with are shaped by what is inside of us. You shape what's inside your children by speaking words of affirmation. And you do it however you can, okay? I'm weird. I tell you guys this all the time. I'm not normal, but here's what works for me. Um, I grab my kids. We call it the Lion King moment. And I hold them in the air. And I yell, ah, Zepena, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I grab them. And I just scream things out loud that I love about them. I go, this is Lucy. She is so beautiful. And I love her. This is Bear. And he finally went poo poo on the body. <laughs> And the craziest thing, the seven-year-old, she's starting to wiggle. I, I don't want it. But then what happens is, if I start with the two little ones, I can look over my shoulder and she's over there waiting for her turn. Because kids are starved for affirmation. Just say it. If you think it, say it. If your kid's pretty, tell them they're pretty. If your kid's capable, tell them they're capable. If you haven't done this before, it'll feel weird. Who cares? Like, what's at stake here? It's worth saying some weird things, and it's worth getting a little weird because you know what's normal? Kids who don't believe in themselves. You know what's normal is a girl who never got those words spoken over her, and now she's trying to get them with her body on Instagram. I don't want normal. I'd rather be weird because words shape identity and direction. Three, it's the right tribe. You nurture your kids by shaping the right tribe tribe, the right tribe. That just means by helping them get around them the right people. Because this is going to be a reminder. I promise this isn't new, but I'm going to be here to remind you this morning. The right tribe over time shapes character. The right tribe over time shapes character. There's that proverb and it simply says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. And it's just that reminder, who you're around will be who you are. 
That's why we tell our kids in high school ministry, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That's why that phrase is all over on people's internet memes. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time around. It's true. Who you are around will shape who you eventually become. Who your kids are around will shape who they eventually become. We know this, but let me tell you something. Here's your responsibility as a parent. I heard this said once. I just want you to share this with you. But it simply says this. The people you allow in your kid's life for their first 10 years will shape who they allow in their life for the second 10 years. So you have a responsibility and you are now curator of your child's relationships. It's NBA season, praise Jesus, it's back. And I'm a Bulls guy, and they always fall on hard times, so I pick some other narratives in the NBA to follow, and I'm all about this battle for the West. I'm all about LeBron holding it down in the Lakers. I'm watching to see if it's going to be Clippers for the next five years in, in California or if it's going to be the Lake Show again. And, and, and I love LeBron because, A, his character is just incredible and the things he's doing for kids. Okay, but let me get to this. Okay, you think LeBron and you think of the picture of him dunking on somebody, but what everybody overlooks in LeBron are two of his greatest attributes. He's one of the best passers in the NBA. His no looks this season are incredible. If you watch the last game with Anthony Davis, he just throws the ball above the hoop. Davis is there. Pow! It's awesome. His passing and his assists are incredible. And so is his blocks. You ever see the LeBron play? NBA fans already know what I'm saying. But, but, but somebody grabs a ball. There's a fast break down the court, and, and so it, it, it's like this player thinking he's going to lay it up easy, and LeBron is like a half court behind him. But what does he do? He goes sprinting down the court full steam, and this poor fool gets the ball six inches from the rim, and LeBron goes, ba-bow, and bounces it off the rim and off into the stands, and it is the best thing you've ever seen in sports. The assists and the blocks are incredible. Hey, parents, your job is to set up some assists and some blocks in your kid's life. You assist them in getting the right people around them. You get them in environments with other great kids. That's why we have a kids ministry here. That's why we do student house on Wednesday because we know those environments where they can shape friendships with other kids who believe what they believe. And then you block. And like, <laughs> when you see your kid hanging out with some dud, you don't have to have your kid hang out with him to be a nice person. I mean that with grace and love and kindness. But the people you allow in your kid's life those first 10 years are who they're going to self-select for the next 10. And that calls us to responsibility. Secondly, here's what I've been waiting to say all message. We are a multi-generational church, okay? So, so that means some of you here have grown kids who are out or almost out. And, and, and you're going, man, that would have been good like 10 years ago. What do you do? What do you do when they're out? What do you do when they're off? What do you do when all the marbles are gone, but like you got hip to faith like three years later and now you've got all this stuff going on in your life and faith and oh my gosh, and now your marbles are gone and all that stuff. Let me tell you what you do. You pray. Because prayer over time changes everything. There's no slide for this, but do not miss it. I believe wholeheartedly prayer over time can cover a lack of any parenting thing that was or was not there. I do not believe you have to be a perfect parent, but I believe everyone could be a praying parent. And prayer over time changes everything. 
There's no damage that can be done here. There's nothing that can be missing that prayer can't change. I spent some time with a good friend of mine this week. And he is still finding his way to God. He is 48 years old. And there's a group around him praying even now. And he's getting it. And he's a reminder to me and a reminder to you that prayer can change everything. Finally, you nourish your kids with a model of faith. A model of faith. It's interesting how so much of who we are and our lives and the way they go are caught, not taught. You get that? Like who I've become, the way I talk, the way I speak, my faith, my life. Most of it was caught, not taught to me. I grew up doing construction with my dad. From the time I was about 12 years old, he was the owner-operator of a business that sanded and refinished his wood floors. No, I will not do your floors for you. Um, and so we would spend days and days and days together. And he would sand the plane, and I worked this machine called an edger. It was about 50 pounds, and it had these discs that would just pull you around the room. And, I mean, we just sweat, and it was hard work. And I'm 35 now, and I'm just to the place where I can kind of appreciate it. And we would have these moments when we were doing the floors, as the sanding was getting finished up, the homeowner or the person would come in and they wanted to select what stain they would use. And so inevitably, I would feel that tap on my shoulder and I always knew what it was. The family had come in, my dad had seen him, he's telling me to cut off the sander so they can talk and interact and pick stain. He can talk to the family about what they're trying to do so we could do it in their wood floor. Countless times, we take off the earmuffs that cover your ears for protection. I would take off the dust mask and, and the glasses that we wear and set them down and I would look over and see my dad begin a conversation with these families every single time. He would fold his arms just like this, lean over his left leg and his right foot turn out just a little. He would talk with them. You know, now I go out to that courtyard and I hang out and I talk after a service. You know how I find myself standing sometimes? Just like him. I'm modified, I go outside, it's a little more friendly, you know? <laughs> but there was never this moment where he said, now Matt, here's how we stand. It was caught, not taught. And when it comes to shaping faith in the next generation, so much of what they will receive from us will be lessons that were caught and not taught. That's why when Jesus wanted to shape faith in this group of disciples, he said, hey, come follow me. And what did he do? He modeled what faith in action looks like. We do the same for our kids. They will catch who we are. They will become who we are. That is terrifying because there's parts of me that I pray my kids do not become. But you know what modeling means? It doesn't mean you have to have it all together. It just means you need to show your kids you don't have it all together and you're trusting in the one who does. It's simple things. You say three sentence prayer before dinner. I applaud that and I tell you, you are modeling faith that your kids can follow. 
you read one verse, you read the verse of the day in you version, pull that thing out, put it on the table, read it out loud, and you are modeling faith for the next generation. You find little ways. Britt and I spent the first 10 years of our marriage in one argument. And time and time again, we'd blow up, we'd lose our cool. But we'd go right back to where the kids heard us fighting and we'd apologize to one another. We'd pray together and ask God to help us together. And we're modeling that we didn't have it all together. You find those little things, you shape the faith of the next generation. My dad was not chatty. I mean, blue collar, there where we were. And there is not, it was not like Bob Saget in Full House when he's like, and that's why you always tell the truth, you know, like at the end. Um, but every single night, he came to my bed. And before bed, he said, good night. Love you. Jesus loves you. I'll see you in the morning. And it's no surprise that none of those things were ever a question to me. And it's no surprise that I now say to my kids, good night, love you, Jesus loves you, I'll see you in the morning. Because it was modeled. And you can do that. And you know what faith modeled does? Faith modeled over time equals fruit. When you model faith for your children, it's like planting a seed in their soul that will one day grow into the faith of their own. I'll tell you this, they all slipped out to get ready. We're baptizing uh, Kayla Waltermeyer while all the stuff's going on over here. I'm just kidding, she's right there. But you know, this kid, she's getting baptized today, and I'm not surprised at all. I'm not surprised she got to some point where she's like, I want that because I know her family, and I know she has so many wonderful models of faith and action around her. She's surrounded by a faith family, and here she is saying, I want that too because she's seen it modeled over and over again. So what do you do with all this? You go back to these marbles and you realize they're opportunities. Like each of those weeks is a week where you could be speaking life into your kid. Each of those weeks is a week where you could be showing your kid with your actions that your faith matters to you. It's a week where you could show them love by showing up. It's a week where you can set a pattern. It's a week where you could be getting them around other people. And it is a week where this would look more and more like how much time you have to grow kids in their faith before it's time that you have before you lose them. That's my heart. That's my hope. And I'll tell you, this matters so much. You can't afford to do it alone. Families that really flourish with this go, I want a tribe walking with me. And guys, that's why we do church. That's what Costume Sunday is about. It is about shaping faith in the next generation, being a community who wants to write a story of faith for these kids to follow together. So here's what you get to do. We're going to practice it. There's games, there's food, there's music, there's a time. And in your busy life, you got a moment set aside to just simply enjoy. You and my kid doesn't come here. No, I mean, you're a part of this tribe and you're a part of helping us shape faith. And the way you laugh with your friends, the kind of example you set, the ta I don't know, the tacos you eat, 
it matters. Let's pray. We'll be done in just a sec. God and Father, uh, thank you so much for this day and for life. Thank you for the way you love us. Thank you for the way that you continue to show up for us. Um, thanks for this morning. God, I pray literally um, in us, in our kids, and in our lives, that great faith would be shaped in this place and in every home represented here as well. We love you. We're grateful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, and download the Momentum app from your app store. See you next week.